Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. And this week, we welcome back an old friend, a friend of longstanding, I should say, not an old friend. He's not necessarily old. He's getting old, like all of us, but he's a, a friend of longstanding. That would be Wayne Goodwin, who is uh, certainly currently serving as the commissioner of the Department of Motor Vehicles. And uh, that's after a long and distinguished service in many other areas uh, of the state, including, uh, I think, four terms in the North Carolina House of uh, Representatives and, of course, a former uh, insurance commissioner for eight years as well. So, um, Commissioner, welcome to the program. Delighted to have you back. And I noticed that you are now sporting a beard. Uh, yes. Yeah. First of all, thank you for having me back. It's a delight to be back with you. I've always enjoyed being here with you uh, and wearing prior hats. And yes, this beard is, uh, I guess, the residual evidence of uh, a pandemic experiment. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, we'll see how long I keep it. But it's it's uh, I've been sporting it for about mm, about two years now, I guess. Well, OK, uh, certainly I'm, I'm sure your, your gigantic savings of razor blades is going to help your <laughs> retirement fund to a great degree. Well, it, it certainly makes my day a lot go a lot by a lot faster. I know that. I don't think we've ever had a commissioner of the Department of Motor Vehicles on the air. We've had the Department of Transportation numerous times, but why don't you just give us uh, for at least four or five minutes an overview of all of the things that the Department of Motor Vehicles is uh, charged with uh, doing here in the state of North Carolina. Certainly. And and with the other hats that I've worn, they, they all contributed to my being, uh, I think, prepared and ready for this role as DMV commissioner. I've uh, been an attorney, still am an attorney, of course, served in the legislature, served as insurance commissioner, and now now as, as uh, DMV commissioner. And there's a lot of overlap. Uh, first of all, the, the there's a DMV in every state. Uh, it may go by different names, but it's, but it's pretty much a DMV in every state. And I believe at least going as far back as the I Love Lucy TV show, there is at least one episode of every sitcom about somebody's experience at the DMV. And uh, the, though we're in a different era now, the experiences, uh, you know, we're still trying to address those concerns because our, our the demands of population growth and the, the needs uh, and the services that DMV provides uh, continue to grow too. So here's, a, here's some, a background of what the DMV does. It is probably the most public forward-facing agency in state government because every every adult will either need a driver license or a state ID of some sort, and you interact with the DMV quite regularly. Uh, there are 7.4 million uh, credentials that we issued this past year out of the approximately 10 million residents of the state. We have our driver services uh, directorate. We have our vehicle services part of the DMV and then our license and theft bureau. Uh, we may have more questions about that later, but driver services provides uh, the driver licenses and the testing uh, and the IDs. Vehicle services pertains to registering the cars and, and titles of cars and transfers of vehicles. And the License and Theft Bureau is our law enforcement wing. We are law, a law enforcement agency, and we are the oldest statewide law enforcement agency in North Carolina. We've been around 102 years now. Well, that's a, that's a great overview of all the things that uh, uh, that you're in charge of, uh, of operating. So, so how many employees are in the Department of Motor Vehicles across the state? Um, roughly, I think about 1,100 overall. Give, you know, we, like other 
state agencies and, and also businesses have uh, been impacted by uh, change in the labor market and the workforce. And we had vacancies up to about 30% or so for a while. Now uh, we're down at the DMV. We have fewer than 100 vacancies. And I've been delighted that we've been able to fill two-thirds of the vacancies that I inherited when I started this role. So over 1,000 employees, of which uh, several hundred of those are at our headquarters, which was moved a few years ago from Raleigh to Rocky Mountain. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that because there was some discussion on why Rocky Mount. So uh, maybe you can give us some background on exactly why uh, this state agency is now located in Rocky Mount. Well, there there have been discussion discussions for a long time about the the benefit of having state agencies and state employees uh, in particular cities and counties. And Wake County has benefited greatly by having the state capital uh, here in it. So when it, uh, the opportunity arose for the DMV to move out of its headquarters, its longstanding headquarters building on Newburn Avenue in Raleigh, uh, the thought was, well, how about giving a neighboring county or a nearby or adjacent county uh, the opportunity to have a, the agency headquarters for, you know, for North Carolina? So there was a search. Uh, there were folks that applied from various counties and, and Rocky Mount won out, and we are now located the last several years in the former headquarters of Hardee's uh, in Rocky Mountain. It's easy to get to, about 55 minutes from downtown Raleigh, and uh, uh, it's a, a wonderful campus that uh, provides a, a, work, a place to work for our headquarters staff. Any re remaining recipes or things of that nature that you can use from your former, uh, former uh, occupant uh, Hardee's? Well, I'm going to start looking for it now that I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about lunch, but I guess, uh, <laughs> but uh, we, we uh, you know, they uh, had a great location and we uh, renovated a lot of the, the buildings there. Well, we did have a visit by a current legislator uh, who used to work there and he wanted to come come visit and see where his old office is. And we said, well, it doesn't look like it used to, but but uh, I'll, I'll be on the lookout for any, any remnants of, uh, of Hardy's there. Well, I guess, as you said, the, the front door to your uh, your agency and maybe even the front door to the state government is that time when people go to get their driver's license. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about driver's licenses and how that uh, process goes. Uh, you've streamlined it to some degree over the years. So exactly what is that process now, beginning with those beginning drivers? Uh, yes, uh, about well, about 25 years ago, North Carolina passed a law, and coincidentally, I co-sponsored it, which is the Graduated Driver's License Program, and that is a process where where uh, teen drivers, uh, after uh, their their coursework and their behind the wheel training, they get have different levels of gradually obtaining their full driver's license, and and that's that's very important because the more experience that the these teen drivers have behind the wheel the safer they are and the safer the, the public is at, at large. Uh, we have 115 driver license offices across the state and there are varying sizes. And we, we uh, certainly are, need to consider, at least in my perspective, uh, having a few more given the growth in, in uh, the Raleigh region and in the Charlotte area. And in terms of the process, is that you bring various required documents that are listed at myncdmv.gov to verify you are who you are. And we uh, 
we'll take those in. We'll, you have to take an eye test. You have to, of course, pass, pass another test initially, take your photograph. And, and uh, given the way the law is now, we've streamlined it to where if nothing really strange happens in your life, uh, you will not physically have to be in the driver license office except once every 16 years. And then when someone is uh, uh, much older, if they're old, 66 and older, they only physically have to be in the office once every 10 years. So, so we encourage folks to utilize that tool to renew online at myncdmv.gov. Um, once you know, once you you have the documents to verify who you are that first time, you can upgrade it, update it to change your address and the like. And it's it's much more simpler now. The greatest demands on us are how to provide these services with uh, the the workforce vacancies and how to provide these services uh, in a growing state uh, where more people are are moving here. We're a popular place. Now, uh, that brings an interesting point because I'm sure we've got some people who are new to North Carolina. When you move to North Carolina, how long do you have before you're required to get a North Carolina driver's license? Uh, you're required to have your, your new license within 60 days of having moved here. And what I encourage folks to do, most folks, when they move into North Carolina, they usually know a few months in advance. So I would encourage folks who, you know, when they, as they plan to move here, is to go ahead and schedule an appointment uh, online, uh, and then you can schedule it several months out so that whenever you actually have moved here, uh, then you can go ahead and get the appointment. Uh, the other alternative is the being a walk-in customer, and that's for more immediate service. And that's where you know there may be a line, there may not be a line, depending on the time of day and the location. So, so we encourage folks moving here to, to make sure they have their, their new driver license or new ID within 60 days. Now, does a new resident have to pass a North Carolina test uh, because laws and uh, you know, speed limits and all that sort of thing are somewhat different, I guess, state to state? Yeah, there, yes, there's an initial test. Uh, and, and, and of course, uh, there's also the federal real ID, which I know I think we we'll may talk about later on too. Uh, but that it is, they do have to take an, a, a test initially. Uh, so we do want to remind folks that uh, when the first time you're at the driver's license examiner's office, you know, there's certain things that you won't have to repeat unless, you know, there's some problem down the road with, you know, having lost a license or suspended license. So now it used to be you had a booklet that you had to study. Is that is that booklet essentially online now? It is online. Uh, I've directed staff to to continue to have a sufficient number of handbooks uh, published. The cost of paper has skyrocketed, though. The cost of these of these booklets is like tripled or quadrupled. So we encourage folks to go online, again, to myncdmv.gov and study it there. We also uh, are continuing our paperless initiative, trying to have fewer paper forms, including fewer books. But coming from a, a rural area like I do down in Richmond County, and, and I know you're familiar with rural North Carolina yourself, there's still a lot of folks who don't have uh, broadband uh, internet or don't have access to computers and it's important that we you know we provide them an actual printed handbook at the driver's license office many libraries keep a copy as well okay now I, this is just something that's always been of interest to me because i'm sure there's some data on this do you happen to have any data on what is the number one missed question the, the question that seems or, or questions that seem to bother people the most I don't know about the number one missed question, but I do know the number one document that folks forget to bring 
uh, and that causes some headache. And they forget to bring their their verification of having liability insurance uh, for their vehicle. But I'll, I'm going to look into that. That's a good question. But now the questions do. There's some questions that rotate. But I'm, I'm going to ask about that. But the number one document is the in, insurance uh, proof that uh, you need to to get your license. Yeah, I can understand that. Well, you know, I, I, uh, when I was 16, and now uh, let me ask you this, what age do you begin this process now? Uh, you begin when you're 15 and you, you start, whether in a public school or, or another setting, you can start taking the, the courses and the, the classwork, and then you do the behind the wheel training, and then you can you know, start your graduated driver's license, uh, you know, by, you know, just before that by age 16. And a lot of kids these days, are waiting longer and longer to get their license. So, so we factor that in too. That's interesting because that used to be when you and I were growing up, that was freedom. When you got your driver's license, you felt like you were free for the first time. Exactly. It baffles me, but it, things have changed. Folks are waiting longer. I hear that from my grandchildren. I really do. Wayne Godwin, uh, Goodwin is our guest. He's the uh, commissioner of the Department of Motor Vehicles. And we will be back with more and talk more about the functions and the duties of the Department of Motor Vehicles here in North Carolina when we return with the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers. One in three adults in America have prediabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move's called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. <clears throat> Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has my mom. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me, like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me, but I'm the lucky one even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back with Wayne Goodwin, who's the Commissioner of Motor Vehicles here in North Carolina. Uh, we, we were talking about other states and uh, the fact that every state has something that is similar to the Department of Motor Vehicles, in many cases, I guess, very similar. Uh, so how, how is our Department of Motor Vehicles somewhat different from, uh, say, South Carolina or Virginia, our neighboring states? Well, there's several differences. And, of course, uh, Virginia is more comparable to us in size than South Carolina. Uh, so but one of the things that South Carolina uh, doesn't have, they do not have appointments. It's, it's, uh, last I heard is that they, like a lot of states, have done away with appointments completely. And that's uh, that's a, a it, you know each state addresses this differently. Prior to and during the pandemic, and even even shortly thereafter, uh, we we were pushing folks to make an appointment, make an appointment given what was happening at those t- that time. 
But given that folks want more immediate service and that that our offices are all open now, uh, unlike some states, we've we've reduced the number of appointments so we can have more capacity for walk-ins. And uh, and also, we were having about 25% no-show rate for appointments. Uh, in terms of other differences with states, there are some states that are ahead of us, and, and most states are behind us on some of the technological changes. Uh, you know, some states already have the most the 21st century kiosks. We are we are launching those here uh, later this year, and then other states have been working on can you upload documents in advance of your appointment, and that's something I'm exploring as we do a complete modernization of uh, of our of our systems. At DMV, but I think the biggest difference really is that some states have appointments and some states don't at all. So you mentioned something about a twenty-four hour kiosk. Tell me about that. That sounds interesting. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, our society now wants immediate gratification, and they want to, you know, and they are used to using various online services to, you know, have things uh, provided to them. 24-7 and, or shipped to their home, you know, at a, at a moment's notice. Uh, and the kiosk idea is something that folks have grown accustomed to. Uh, as you, When you visit a grocery store, you often will see, you know, kiosks for various things uh, there that folks can obtain while they're shopping for their groceries. And what we've decided to do in an effort to reduce the, the volume of traffic at driver license offices and to provide, you know, greater service capacity 24-7 instead of during our office hours, we've selected uh, moving to grocery stores for these kiosks. And they these the kiosks will provide both driver services, like renewing your driver's license, getting a duplicate, making changes to your driver's license, as well as vehicle services where you are you need to get your sticker for your plate. You need to order order a plate if you want to, you know, anything relating to your title uh, and registration, paying your your property tax on your vehicle, doing all of that. And, you know, a lot of folks may not even look at their driver's license until maybe they're checking out of the grocery store or getting ready to pay for something. I was, oh, my goodness, my expiration is coming up soon. Uh, so this, I believe, will be a very popular service because we it's been very popular in a few other states that we've examined so far. I'm, I'm excited about it. And we're in the final stages of having these selected and, and you know, with the plan is to have the, the pilot phase begin in October. And then within a year, going from the first 20 to my goal of having over 100 of these around the state. You mentioned change of address. Are you required, if you move from one home to another home within the same city, are you required to notify the Department of Motor Vehicles of your new address? Uh, yes, yes. And uh, one one that's we want to have the most accurate, the accurate address for you know, for your credential, whether it's a driver's license or a state ID. Uh, also, one of the services we provide is that when you change your address, you're also able to change where you're registered to vote uh, and, and apply to have that address changed. Of course, that may change your precinct, uh, even if you're in the same city. So it is, it's integrated, and it's important that folks do that uh, as soon as possible. Well, I would imagine, I'm just guessing that that is probably one of the most uh, forgotten aspects of uh, a citizen's duty. If I, if I were to move, I, I would call the power company and the cable company and the uh, electric, you know, utilities and so forth. I'm not sure that would be top of mind awareness with me to call the uh, 
Department of Motor Vehicles or, or notify them. So, so, and you're saying you can do that online. You go to myncdmv.gov and there are 22, at least 22 services of which uh, updating address is, uh, is one of them. Uh, you can still go in person if you'd like to, to, you know, to address this, but we encourage folks to, you know, when they, when they have a need from DNV to find out whether that particular customer service uh, that you that you have is one you can obtain online. It saves time and money, and you can do it 24-7 online, myncdmv.gov. So now if you lose your driver's license, again, that would be a, a source to go to. But uh, I've always been interested in the fact that the, the uh, idea is so important. What keeps people from, quote, saying they've lost their license so they can get a duplicate and perhaps share their original license with someone else. How do you, how do you control that? And is there a penalty for that? Well, uh, one of the services we provide, whether in person or online is requesting a duplicate. Uh, they're not free, you know, so if you are, if you've lost your credential, you still have to pay for it. Uh, if you request a, you know, a duplicate, and, uh, you know, we also, you know, we rely upon our law enforcement partners across the state, uh, you know, to ensure that the person who has the ID is the person that's depicted on. It. And that's what we do as well. Each of these these credentials, uh, whether you see it or not, there are there's there are security components to it and uh, that are used by, you know, by DMVs and, and the like to ensure that the person there is the person that's supposed to be. So, uh so I guess the first check is is that is that somebody has to pay for these, uh, you know. So that if they're going to order duplicates, they first do have to pay, you know, pay for those. But uh, uh, but we have our means and methods to ensure you don't have uh, in a, the, the wrong person with the wrong ID. Now, uh, so you know, a picture is on every uh, every uh, uh, driver's license. So when you lose it and you uh, try to get it renewed online. Is there a process for uh, getting your photograph taken online? Uh, not yet, but I'm glad you asked that question. Federal law says that a photograph for a uh, an ID uh, cannot be any older than 16 years, and then uh, that's that's federal law. And what North Carolina decided to do a few years ago, you remember? I'm, I, I remember. I'm sure you remember as well. It used to be you had to go to the, the you get your renewal every four years. Remember that? Yes. So, Okay, now it's every it's every eight years, but you can alternate between in person and and online. Uh, so if you use our tools, then somebody physically won't have to be at the you know driver's license office except once every sixteen years. Uh, if there's a, a over age sixty five, that's once every ten years. Uh, so so the federal law is what limits us. The photo can't be more than sixteen years, and and you can. You know, you can go in and, you know, if, if you pay for the, the service, you could get a, a duplicate and the like. Um, and we, you know, and when you do that, if you have to do it again, you have to get a new photo. But but uh, that's 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 a very good question. And and if we give folks these days when they have their photo made, we, you know, we, we show it to us. You're good with this, but we can't we can't constantly retake the photo. We do give folks the, uh, the option of, you know, is this photo right? But, uh, uh, <laughs> but we, you know, and of course. You know, I think a lot of folks don't like their photos, uh, but that's just that's just human nature. Well, I, I do appreciate that the last time I renewed mine, I, I had a picture taken, and I did have a choice. And and one of them was, uh, in all honesty, uh, it's amazing how in just one sitting they can vary so much. 
<laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I, the, my worst photo. I had to I had to renew my license in person one time, and and I had I, ju- I think I was on the tail end of having had the flu, and that photo looked terrible. I looked terrible because I felt terrible. <laughs> but uh, fortunately, you know, the next you know next time I was able to redo it. Well, us and people in the radio business, we always uh, say there's a reason we're not in television. We have faces <laughs> for radio. So we're, right. we're accustomed to that, and it doesn't really bother us a great deal. So I guess uh, when you get a duplicate, uh, then you have a process of taking the old photograph and putting it on the duplicate. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, we Right, yeah. When you get a duplicate, you don't have to get a – when you get a renewal, uh, when you are, request a, a, a duplicate and the like, so long as that photograph is not older than 16 years, then we use the same photo. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And, of course, occasionally, as we uh, alluded to earlier in the program, a person might do something like grow a beard like you've done. Yes. And, you know, and if someone's had, you know, uh, and this is subjective, I suppose, but if someone has had a dramatic change in their appearance, uh, we encourage folks to have a, a, a new photo uh, made. So that is, well, you know, yeah, I, I would imagine that is a real problem with women who change their hairstyles and that can really change their appearance. And of course, in some cases, actually change hair color. Uh, are they supposed to, when they, uh, Change hair color? Are they supposed to upgrade their license or change their license? No, no, they're not required to do that. I mean, uh, um, I, uh, <laughs> I was up until my renewal in September. I was delighted that my previous ID had me with hair on my head. So, uh, so I, I <laughs> so, so I held on to that idea to the fullest extent that I could. <laughs> well, of course, that's a, you know, the first thing when an officer of the law stops you, they ask you for your. Uh, ID and, and and we want to spend a little bit of time uh, not in this segment because I think it's a longer topic uh, talking about the real ID the federal requirements mm-hmm. and what North Carolina is doing about that. Um, in wrapping up things, uh, you did mention, of course, that uh, teenagers are applying later for their driver's license. Um, any reason other than the fact that they just don't feel like they're uh, uh, have that uh, need for freedom that you and I had when we got ours? It seems to be a cultural shift. I mean, it's, you know, there have been studies. We've seen, I've seen results of these surveys where, you know, when folks, when uh, teenager, teenagers are asked what, what they look forward to, uh, it's just not as high up on the list now. And I think in part is because, uh, you know, there are ways for, for kids to, to do things now that don't require them driving themselves, you know, whether it's, there's, there's, you know, games at home, games online, they can, can uh, contact, you know, friends, family, and otherwise using, you know, virtual services, but it's, it's just a cultural shift. And it's a, uh, it's, it is interesting because I could, would never imagine that the mile marker for, a, you know, for, for you know, for a, a person like getting a driver license would not remain like number one or two. I mean, for me it was, you know, get, you know, getting my driver license and getting registered to vote. And then of course you have other things too, like, you know, getting a home for the first time and getting a first car and so on. But I think it's just a cultural shift. Well, it is interesting because, uh, as I said, I've heard this from my grandchildren, that it's just not as important as it once was. And that's interesting. Uh, It is a cultural change. And it's something that I guess older folks are going to have to adjust to because it was so important to us. Yes. Uh, A learner's permit or the, the first permit that a driver has what are the restrictions? And we've got about 40 seconds. 
Yes, uh, restrictions when you have learner's permit is that you have to have an adult with you. Typically, it's your it's your your parent or guardian. And then there's all other restrictions as you go with the the various provisional licenses uh, allow you to have someone else in the car with you. Uh, and then the, a recent change was to allow a second person, uh, a young person, in the car with you as you're if you're driving back and forth to school. So the restrictions basically are the number of folks you have that you can have with you in the car, the time of day that you're that you're able to operate uh, the vehicle, again, with some exceptions about school and work. That's a good summary. And you did it in under 40 seconds. And so you uh, are going to get a red ribbon for that. Not awesome. a blue ribbon, but a red ribbon. Well, that's right. I'll, Wayne, I'm happy, Wayne to get, happy to get any ribbon I can. <laughs> that's right. Wayne Goodwin, the DME, DMV commissioner for the state of North Carolina is our guest. When we come back, we're going to talk about the real ID because that has been somewhat controversial. There's federal legislation, there's state legislation. And I'd like for you to give us a sort of a summary of the pros and cons of the arguments of both sides. And we'll do that when we return with the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out salesmen to the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Our guest this week on Carolina Newsmakers is Wayne Goodwin. He, uh, of course, has served the state as insurance commissioner. He also served four terms in the North Carolina House of Representatives and uh, now is uh, serving as the commissioner of the Department of Motor Vehicles. And uh, we've talked about all sorts of things, but one of the things we have not talked about uh, uh, is uh, the uh, process that is referred to as the real ID. And this, uh, there's some federal legislation requirements, there's some state legislative requirements, but there's also been a lot of controversy about it. So um, sort of give us some background on that whole process. Sure, and when we talk about a real ID, every every credential that the DMV issues, a driver's license or a, uh, an ID, state ID, it is a lowercase real ID, but here we're talking about a federal, uh, federal uh, requirement and it's capital letters, R-E-A-L, Real ID. And it has its genesis to the response to 9-11. So we're going back to, you know, 2001 when Congress and Homeland Security back then realized that due to what led to the uh, the terrorists getting on those airplanes and the like was not having 
IDs, driver's licenses and the like, that uh, could better authenticate who folks are. So it has its genesis to that, but it, it has taken years to be adopted. And there has been some controversy uh, because states are, uh, you know, from day one, have you know, provide IDs uh, for and pertain to public safety for their citizens. And there's always been a concern about federalizing of the, the driver license or ID process. So this is a it was a, a compromise where federal government encourage states to adopt the real ID and there's some requirements for that in the in state law that are guided by federal law and the reason or what I guess the what how the real ID works is that you bring to your to the DMV uh, extra documentation that further verifies and authenticates who you are and when you get the real ID there's a in North Carolina there's a gold star in the upper right hand corner not everybody needs this, though, and that's another part of the controversy. Initially, everybody thought, oh, my goodness, I gotta, everybody's got to get a new driver license or a new, a new state ID. Um, but, uh, but that's not the case. A couple of things. One is that the implementation date has been moved multiple times, in part because uh, states haven't been able to reach uh, you know, the significant percentage or greater percentage of participation that they had hoped. North Carolina is about presently about 43% compliant with it. And that's not bad. And here's why, because the real ID is, is for folks who plan to travel by plane domestically or who work in federal facilities by and large. And if you already have a passport, uh, uh, you know, then, and, and, or if you, or if you don't fly, uh, on a plane, you don't need the, the real ID. So we figure about 50% of North Carolinians need it. So we're on, on target. The implementation date is May of 2025. And we'll see if we, we, we will meet that target, but not everybody needs it. Well, that's interesting because uh, I, I, I thought uh, I was laboring under the impression that everyone had to have one. And so, uh, and of course, the date has been moved back. And part of that was due to COVID. Yeah, that's correct. That COVID was uh, certainly a, a prime uh, cause of it being delayed once or twice. A few years ago, I believe there was a public service announcement that that uh, the former basketball coaches for UNC and Duke did, and it, it gave I think it gave the impression to the public that everybody needed it, and that led to a almost like a run on the bank, so to speak. People were showing up in droves to the DMV, and, and we and we've said, look, no, no, you don't. If you don't. If you're not planning to fly in a plane domestically, or if, or if you already have a passport, you don't don't need this. So uh, uh, it's and, and, and of course uh, it's been delayed twice, even during my 18 months as DMV commissioner. And I I hope it doesn't get delayed again, but we'll see. If it gets delayed, then no harm, no foul. A lot of folks question if it's been delayed so often, is it really going to happen? Well, we do we do have real ID. Uh, Ultimately, the implementation date will be reached, but right now it's May of 2025. And even if you don't have it, there are there. The TSA has uh, special processes where if you're needing to fly, they can verify who you are. But that's a worst worst case scenario. Well, that's interesting. That's a good update, and, and the fact that uh, not everybody necessarily needs it, and also the fact that so many people already have one that there won't be. A, a as you said a rush on the bank or a run on the bank to get them if uh, 
and your goal is uh, sort of like 50% of the population needs it. So that would mean uh, you've got, I think you told me earlier, 7.4 credentials issued. I guess those are individual licenses. So about yeah, 7.4 uh, yeah. billion, that's right. Yeah, about half of those are, of course, already uh, have the real ID. And, and, and the other interesting thing you mentioned is the fact that it's capital R-E-A-L ID. I did not know that either. Uh, so that's, that's an interesting background, and I appreciate you taking time to talk about that. Yes, sir. Now, there's, there's, there's a difference in driver's license for commercial truckers and other special services. Tell me about those and what are the requirements that, uh, they, uh, that those drivers uh, have to have that, uh, say, an ordinary driver does not have to have. Right. Well, well, you know, obviously, most folks operate your standard standard passenger vehicle. Whether you know whether it's you know whether it's a, a two person, four person van, whatever you know, whatever passenger vehicle. But we are uh, thankful and appreciative that there are folks who are truck drivers, who are commercial drivers, because they are responsible for getting goods uh, in bulk items across the state and across the country, and those are much heavier. Uh, and, and much more difficult vehicles to operate. So when you're talking about, you know, these commercial trucks, uh, you know, whether it's small, medium, or extra large, I mean, they have to take a special test for a CDL, and um, that, you know, you can train for that, uh, study for that, and then when you pass that test, there are certain requirements to keep it in, keep it in place. And this also involves federal law, uh, called the Federal Motor Carrier Act, that uh, that provides some guardrails on it. So to learn more about what the you know what the requirements are, and if you need to have a CDL, a commercial driver license, go to myncdmv.gov. If you're going to going to work for a, a business that has commercial trucking, um, you know by and large you, you should you should be able to get uh, a, a summary of what is expected expected of you and uh, and it's very important that these folks keep their licenses from expiring uh because we want to make sure these folks are operating vehicles safely you have a theft and license bureau uh automobile theft and identity theft uh of course you're working i guess with law enforcement agencies on that where does your responsibility start and end and that of the law enforcement agency that's involved with it begin and end well, but, uh, as mentioned earlier, our License and Theft Bureau, which is a part of the DMV, is the oldest statewide law enforcement agency. Uh, it's been around uh, since 1922, I believe. And the you know most most of the of the of the uh, what our law uh, law enforcement officers at DMV focus on are uh, identity fraud, uh, identity theft vehicle fraud, uh, title theft, title fraud, and the like. Under under the general statutes here in North Carolina, there there's there are some, you know, they are sworn officers and they can be called on by other officers to assist in other types of, you know, public service and law enforcement needs, just just as other officers may be too. And it's driven by the driven by uh, the general statutes in chapter 20. But our focus predominantly is enforcement of you know of uh, the 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 DMV laws. I'll give you an example. You know we uh, these inspection inspection uh, services that you know where they get your car inspected. Uh, sometimes there are folks who are operating those fraudulently or op or, or not actually doing the inspections. 
Uh, we we do we have uh, uh, undercover operations to make sure these these uh, these particular companies are actually doing the vehicle inspections and the emission inspections when they're required. And other options, like we, if somebody has a, a fake fake IDs or a, or a fake license plate or what have you, we we have our law enforcement officers go after those folks and um, and either obtain the ID and help uh, arrest and prosecute with local prosecutors those who have broken. Uh, the laws pertaining to uh, the DMV. You know, it used to be a big thing when we talk about the odometer, people would talk about cracking open the odometer. I suspect that's changed now that we're in the computer age. Uh, so how how would a person uh, affect their odometer reading now that we're in the computer age? Well, I'll tell you, uh, for every advance we make, there's some hacker, some scoff law, some criminal who somehow finds a way to get around whatever advance we've made. And uh, we just, we just, you know, it was announced this week. There, uh, there was some od odometer fraud going on uh, that we came across and are, and, and are uh, investigating. And it, it's, again, it's a function that folks are unfortunately crafty and creative and conniving to get around whatever is put in place to prevent it. So unfortunately there are, there are ways that people do still commit, you know, commit that type of fraud, even though things are digital now. You mentioned the safety inspections, and that's that's an annual requirement, and you have to do it, I guess, each year. Uh, is has there ever been a movement to say, okay, when a car is brand new, you really don't have to have one for the first two years, or something of this nature? Uh, yes, there there have been uh, regular proposals to to restrict or limit the you know the amount of annual inspections that one has and including the, you know that the, the the proposal you mentioned about if you have a brand new vehicle it, uh, it meets all those all the specifications and the, and the like so you've had it on both ends we have there have been proposals and changes in the law uh, some have been implemented some have not they said if you have a brand new car why do you need the annual inspections and then on the other on the other end of the spectrum they said well if you have an antique vehicle you know, do you, you know, and it's only used for certain purposes. Do you need to have, have the inspections done? And where we are, we want to have safe vehicles on the road. If a vehicle is being used on the, on the road, we want to ensure that it's, it's, a, it's a safe one. And uh, you would not believe the number of folks who don't check their tires or don't think about their brakes until they, you know, are required to have the annual inspection. And it's it's amazing the number of folks who that's the only time they think about it. So so it seems like there's been a there's there been compromises made and still you know still lots of discussion every year about are these needed. But the, by the end of the day, we want folks to be safe, and at the same time, we don't want to overburden folks. And you can get these done much more quickly now. Uh, you know these days, you, you know you can have your you can have your um, uh, your inspection done and reported to the state fairly quickly. They, of course, there's another reason also for inspections, and that's emissions. And we're all worried about the uh, the uh, global climate war warming. A lot of people don't think it is. I'm not going to get into that. But uh, emissions, of course, also a very big part of that check. Uh, that's right. That's right. And, and uh, there has been a move to reduce the number of counties that are required to have the emissions check. And it's mostly the counties who... Uh, under federal law, uh, you know, they pass triggers for having uh, bad air readings. Uh, but there's been a proposal in the legislature now to 
reduce it to where only Mecklenburg County would have the required emissions. But, but that's a that's a, a current subject of debate, uh, and it's uh, it's one that the legislature will ultimately decide upon. Well, we have listeners in Mecklenburg County, so I have to be careful. But Mecklenburg, having grown up in that area, uh, those in the Mecklenburg area have always thought they're a little unique. <laughs> well, I've heard some folks call it the great state of Mecklenburg, but I've, I've got friends there, and, and I love them as much as I love the rest of them. So, uh, But uh, we encourage folks to, to watch what happens to the legislature this year and see if there are any changes. And, of course, myncdmv.gov, and I'm sure right here at, at our favorite station, they can learn about changes that impact our drivers. I want to go a little slower on that. That's mydmv.gov. Mymcdmv.gov. Okay, I didn't have the NC in there. You you've learned to say it so rapidly that it's a little hard to write it down. I will chastise you on that. We'll be back with our final segment of Carolina Newsmakers and our guest Wayne Godwin, Wayne Goodwin. Right after these messages. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them, but I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me, and my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo GOAT, G-O-A-T, acronym, stands for greatest of all time. As in spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is the Commissioner of the Department of Motor Vehicles, and I think this is the first time in the history of this program that we have had the Commissioner on. Uh, Not this particular Commissioner, because we've had him on quite frequently in his other roles as Insurance Commissioner and and uh, other roles that he served the public interest in. Uh, he is, of course, uh, Wayne Goodwin and uh, served in the General Assembly for, for four terms before uh, becoming insurance commissioner and, and some other areas that he has served in. Uh, uh, Wayne, we've talked about all sorts of things, Mr. Commissioner. Uh, why don't we look at uh, common misconceptions that because uh, you deal with a lot of people. I think you said you had 7.4 million people with credentials. That would be, I guess, driver's license. Uh, what are some of the common misconceptions that people have that might uh, be uh, benefited from some wisdom from you? Well, there are a number of common misconceptions. Uh, and, of course, every every day is a, there's always a challenge with the DMV because, we again, 7.4 million folks. We have 115 driver license offices and a 130 license plate agencies, but 
probably the, the most common misconception is they, that folks think that there's always going to be a line. And, and, that, and that, you know, you may have seen lines and so on, but we have what's called a walk-in wait time tool. And we also keep this metric anyway. And there are, there are regularly occasions where there's no lines. We had like this past Saturday in eight of our 16 Saturday locations, there were no lines, no traffic at all at 10 a.m. on a Saturday. And even though that's, you know, you think a weekend would be a good time for folks to get their get their driver's license services. So that, that's the first misconception is that there's always a line. There's not. Okay, um, I'm going to stop you there. I would have had a uh, uh, misunderstanding that Saturdays are you're closed. Well, this is one of the changes that uh, our DMV team and I have made is that due to the, the level of demand that during peak season, which is between Memorial Day and Labor Day, we now offer Saturday morning services, walk-in express services at our 16 busiest sites. And they're they're located in Raleigh and, and Charlotte and Greensboro and Winston-Salem and Winston-Salem, I mean, in the Wilmington and, and Asheville. And, uh, and that'll go through August 26th. And I am working now on trying to resume Saturday office hours, uh, not just in the summer. So be stay tuned for that. But right now we're doing Saturday office hours and by and large is going well, except this past week, it was a strange, there are no lines. So I guess if you wanted to find out if your particular office is open on Saturday, you can go to your website, which is myncdmv.gov. That's right. Myncdmv.gov. There's 16 offices for Saturday service, and it's quite popular. I'd like to, again, have have that year-round. And also, we uh, a lot of folks don't know, another misconception, they think, well, they think we all open at the same time. Well, I've been able to... Uh, increase the number of offices that open at 7 a.m. We now have approximately 40 of those, and again, in more of the metro areas that open at 7 a.m. Do you have to have your driver's license renewed in the area that you live in, or can you do that at any office anywhere? That's another misconception. I'm glad you asked that. You can go anywhere in the state uh, to, if you, if you need to physically go, you can go anywhere in the state for driver services at a, or vehicle services. And uh, we've had a lot, I mean, every week somebody will call me about that. Said, and, and they're like vacationing on the coast and they realize they need to renew their license. And of course, if you do the service online, you can be anywhere in the world. But, 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 uh, but with, you know, with this, you can go any county in the state, uh, you know, to have the services that you need. As you point out, you don't have to have an appointment. Uh, you, do, you do not. And that's another common misconception because some states require appointments regardless. And and I know it, it, it's a term of art. Uh, an appointment is a designated time in the future that you're reserving at, at a particular driver's license office at a particular time. And that, that's what we consider an appointment. If you want the typical uh driver license or DMV service in a more immediate way, like same day or, or, you know, very soon, you need to be a walk-in customer. And there are a lot of folks when they, when they go online to myncdmv.gov, they'll say, they'll say, Commissioner Goodwin, I, I don't see any appointments in this area or even with this part of the state for 60 days. And so that's because one, we only do appointments in the mornings. Two, most 25% of folks are no-shows for appointments. Three, most of the public, they want walk-in service. And four, the math doesn't add up. You can't have everybody doing appointments every year. Uh, schedule. There's just not enough 15-minute time blocks. 
So that's what, and of course, every appointment varies in time. So, so you do not need to have an appointment. If you plan ahead, I would encourage you to schedule one. But by and large, plan to be a walk-in customer because uh, uh, that's that's where you can get the quicker service more immediately. You, uh, we we touched on this just briefly, but I think because we have so many newcomers coming into North Carolina, especially in the uh, Crescent uh, area of Raleigh, Durham, Wake County, Greensboro, uh, Charlotte, that uh, area there, so many people move in from out of state. You mentioned that you have to change your get your new driver's license in 60 days within uh, becoming a resident of North Carolina. Uh, what about your uh, license plate on your car? Yeah, once it, once you are have moved here, you you need to have your vehicle re you know re-registered here um, because you know that's you know if you're living here and you are using our highways then. Uh, you need to be registered here not only for, for security and safety reasons, but also uh, you're being responsible for your share of the highway use tax. Uh, so uh, we remind folks to please, if you have moved here, register your car here in North Carolina. And do, they, yeah. do they do that with your office? They, they do it with the yes. Uh, and, that, and that's another misconception, too. Our driver license offices, our driver services offices, like for IDs and licenses, those are operated by state employees at state offices. There are 130 license plate agencies that by state law, they are providing a DMV service, but when you're dealing with tight car titles and registrations, plates and stickers, that is through a private contractor, and the private contractor has private employees. There are no appointments for those places. And there's uh, by law, there are a few of those operated by the state, but 95 percent of them are private contractors that we oversee and uh, and they provide a tremendous service uh, as well. So when you count driver license offices and license plate agencies, we have to about 245, about 245 offices providing these DMV services statewide. But uh, one can't do the services of the other, so most people are going to end up dealing with both. And that's another, uh, I don't say misconception per se, but it happens where sometimes folks show up at the wrong place. Uh, there are a few states where they do it all together, but but many states they they consider these as separate services because they are different. They're they're totally different uh, when you're talking about vehicles. And, and, and the like, different issues are, could arise as compared to uh, identifying who you are as an individual. And so, so they provide different services, but they are part of the DMV. And I think one other thing that you mentioned that's well worth repeating is the fact that, that one of the documents that people fail to bring when they get their driver's license is proof of insurance. Yes, and, 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 I'm, and I'm glad we're re uh, returning to this, is that it can't be you showing your smartphone, showing an email you got from your insurance agent. By state law in North Carolina, it needs to be a physical document that you know shows from your insurance company that you are who you are and you have uh, at least the minimum coverage for the vehicles that uh, that you that you have. Essentially, what the state says is that state law says is that you must you must show financial responsibility so that if you're driving a vehicle and you cause an accident or you're in an accident, that you have some sort of means of 
of being financially responsible. So, so whenever you uh, go to the DMV the first time, and then as you as you go and, and renew, make sure you have your proof of of insurance coverage, so you can meet that criteria for proof of financial responsibility. In one of the earlier segments, we also talked about the real ID and. You pointed out, of course, that the federal law, the, the word real is all caps, which is interesting. But uh, the, that date for obtaining one of those has now been uh, moved to May of, 19, of 2025, which is some time off. But you also pointed out that 43 percent of the citizens of North Carolina already have one. That's right. Uh, once North Carolina adopted the criteria in its our state laws to have the real ID, We've steadily seen an increase in the number of citizens who have it. Uh, as you said, we have about 43% thereabouts of our 7.4 million uh, credentials that have been issued are real IDs. And oh, and one point I didn't cover earlier, North Carolina is a state where it is, uh, it is voluntary, but there's some states where the, it is mandatory to have uh, the real ID. So, uh, so if you see a state that says they have 95% compliance, that's probably because their law says they're mandated to do it. But North Carolina says it's voluntary, and that's what I expect it to remain. I don't see North Carolina, uh, no matter what, changing to uh, mandating it. And you pointed out there's, there's a number of people that just really don't need one because it involves basically air transportation and, uh, and uh, travel abroad. That's right. That's right. A real ID is for someone who is flying, flying, uh, flying uh, domestically, uh, and uh, and if you, or if you're working in a nuclear facility or or a federal government uh, facility, uh, if you're you wish to fly abroad, you should already have a passport, uh, and you can use the passport instead of your real ID uh, if you're flying domestically too. So we determined about half of North Carolina needs the real ID; the other half don't. Uh, and that's a decision you can make voluntarily. We've got less than a minute, about 45 seconds for you to answer this question. Is there any legislation before the General Assembly that uh, will change any of the laws that uh, involve people as far as their cars or their driver's license? Uh, uh, at our request, the legislature is contemplating moving into what's called a mobile driver license. And we can talk more about this another time, but uh, is to have a supplement to your actual plastic uh, credential to where if you need to show an ID, instead of pulling out your ID, you can pull out your smartphone. And it's not a photo of your ID, but it, it verifies you are of a certain age or that you are a citizen and the like. So be on, be on the watch for that. Stay tuned. We are moving towards having a mobile ID uh, in North Carolina, like some other states have already implemented. Well, that sounds like a great idea, a mobile ID. Okay. So uh, uh, I've learned a lot of things in our conversations with Wayne Goodwin, and uh, we look forward to having you back on again and bring us an update on what's happening in the Department of Motor Vehicles here in the state of North Carolina. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast, or if you missed two of the segments, and a lot of our stations carry only a half-hour version of the program, you can go to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast, or if you'd like to share it with a friend, you can do that as well. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, who's on semi-vacation this week, but he came in to do the program, and he will have another guest for us next week on the same group of stations. So till next week, have a good week, everybody. 
Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.